Today, we're going to be looking at probably one of the most powerful truths uh, in the New Testament. Uh, definitely, probably, I think it's the most powerful truth probably in 2 Corinthians. Um, have you guys ever heard um, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, he said that he had a thorn in the flesh. You guys ever heard that or read that? We're going to be talking about that today. Uh, now, Alan Redpath, a famous um, Bible scholar, uh, he calls chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians the ministry of the thorn. And what he meant by that was this, is that, that the thorn served as a tool so that Paul could experience grace and humility. And we're going to be talking about that today, that thorn, and how important it is, uh, why Paul had it, and maybe even relates maybe to a thorn that we have in our life and trying to understand what God's trying to do in our personal life. Now, if you're new with us, what we've been doing, we've been walking through the book of 2 Corinthians chapter by chapter, um, not verse by verse. Uh, if we went by verse by verse, we'd probably be in it for like two years, okay? So you're like, thank you, Lord. Thanks, Steve, for not doing <laughs> Yeah, but uh, we're going to be, we've just been going chapter by chapter, just, just a few verses at a time. It's kind of a, the most important principle of each chapter. And um, last time we were in chapter 11, and I talked about um, Paul uh, dealing with this whole idea of the inferiority complex, and how if we, you know, God wants to set us free from that inferiority complex. Well, in chapter 12, he gets into a superiority complex and how God dealt with him uh, in, that, in his life. Now, um, in chapter number 11, Paul ends the whole chapter and he talks about that he is not inferior to the 11, other 11 big apostles. But he also says, uh, kind of in, in those verses, that, that he is more qualified than the self-apostles, the self-proclaimed apostles, these pseudo-apostles that had surfaced that were really fakes, okay? And, um, but he, but he, he wants us to, to know that he does not have a superiority complex, okay? And at, see, there was a point in Paul's life in which he felt superior. He was full of pride. And he's going to tell us that God fix that in his life, okay? He said, God did something in my life to help me not be prideful. Now, let's pick up in verse 1, because we're going to jump right into this. This is such a cool truth that you're going to learn today. Verse number 1 of chapter 12 says, boasting is necessary, though it is not profitable. But I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know, or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. Such a man was caught up to the third heaven. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know. God knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, which a man is not permitted to speak. Now, Paul opens up chapter 12 and he says, listen, it's necessary that I brag. Now, why did he need to brag? Well, the reason why... Is he's shooting down the foolish claims of these pseudo-apostles, okay? So he's got to have a little bit of boasting in order to shoot down their foolishness. But he also says in the same verse that in the long run, this whole idea of arrogance and pride doesn't do anybody any good. All it does is cause divisions, pride causes destruction, and as we know in the Bible, pride goes before a fall, right? Okay? So he says, hey, this boasting in this situation is necessary, but... I don't want to go on to where I'm, all of a sudden I'm puffed up. It's not going to do anybody any good, especially myself. So Paul is telling this little story, and he tells it in third person. 
And, and so what I'm saying is, is that the story that we just read or this part about going up to the third heaven and in paradise, he's talking about himself. And he says, hey, I don't know if it was an in-body experience or an out-of-body experience. God knows, you know, I, I, I can't tell you, but I was in the presence of God. I had this real experience in the presence of God. Can, can you guys can imagine that? It, doesn't that? it gives me chills thinking about that, that I would be in the presence of God. I get to see him. That's just amazing. So he says, man, I got to have this real experience in the presence of God. I got to see visions of his glory, and I got to hear these divine revelations, these things that I'm not permitted to even to speak about. Now, he tells that up front. Now, notice his language in verse 6. For I do not wish to boast, or excuse me, for if I do wish to boast, I will not be foolish, for I will be speaking the truth. But I refrain from this so that no one will credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. Now, Paul is already regarded as a, a great apostle, right? I mean, you know, I probably in, 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 the, in the Christian church, Paul may be considered maybe the greatest of all the apostles, even though he calls himself the chief of sinners. And so he's already elevated, right? He's already got like, man, he's already a, an esteemed guy. And, but he doesn't want his hearers of this story to lift him higher than he actually is. Because why? You know, just like when Satan tried to lift him, himself up above God, Paul didn't want to get to the point where he got so prideful that he thought, oh, I'm all that, right? He says, I don't want you to hold me in high regard like that, even though this has happened to me. Now, he's about to share a powerful lesson on God fixing pride. Now watch this. Look at verse 7. This is an awesome verse. He says, because, watch this. Let's slow down and walk through it. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself myself. Hmm. Interesting. Now, let me just pause it for a second and tell you a little story. Whenever I was a kid, um, I used, you know, you guys have heard of sibling rivalry, right? How many of you guys got like brothers and sisters, right? You group brothers and sisters, okay? And uh, when I was a kid, man, my, my, I have two younger sisters and man, we would just egg each other all the time. I mean, we would just like pick, we would tease each other. And sometimes we would find out information or know about something that the other ones didn't know. So as children, we would do stuff like this. We'd have a little rhyme like, I know something you don't know, right? We would do that to each other, right? We, we, we would say, I got a secret. I'm not going to tell you. We would do that to each other. Like at Christmas time, right, we would know the other one got the certain gift, and we would just, we would just tease them all up, Right? Don't you guys just go so spiritual with me? I mean, you guys did the same thing when you did that, when you were kids, right? Maybe you still do that. I don't know. But what happens is, here's what happens with our flesh. Our flesh wants to act superior when we have more. Whether we've got more money, whether we've got A's and B's in school and our sisters or friends only have C's, I mean, I don't know, we, 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 we want to be superior. And whether we've got um, certain possessions that other people don't have or certain knowledge that other people don't have, our flesh ha wants to act superior, it wants to be puffed up. Also in the fact that especially when, whenever we know maybe an abundant amount of biblical truth that someone else doesn't know, our flesh wants to act better 
or more superior. You guys tracking with me so far? You know, I think there's several people I've met in this congregation, and I've been really encouraged by many of you, your growth in Christ. Some of you, you're, you're sharing things with me like, man, God shared this with me. God showed me this. God's been teaching me this. I've been learning this about the Bible. And I'm, I'm excited as a pastor, as a shepherd, that fires me up, man. That stokes my fire when I see God's people get excited about God's word and they're growing in their faith. Amen? I get fired up about that. Now, you know, there's some of you, you've acquired some truth. God has revealed some mysteries to you. Uh, he's opened up your eyes to this spiritual realm, this stuff that's going on behind the scenes, as, he, as Paul talks about in, in chapter number 10, and, you know, this, this spiritual warfare that's happening. Well, here's the thing. We can acquire all that, and we can learn so much, and we can grow so much in our faith that sometimes we've got to be careful because our flesh can begin to, to brag. That, you know, God has shown me all these revelations. God has shown me all this stuff. He's taught me so much. We can start bragging about our maturity. We can start bragging about that maybe that we've arrived, right? You know, that's a dangerous place to be to think that you've arrived, right? We can start bragging about that. We start having the attitude. Maybe we don't say it. I know something you don't know. You know, we, we can act like that. We can start boasting about things that we don't even fully understand ourselves. We might say, you know, we're going to start publicly bragging what God actually has meant for us in private for the time being. We can, it's dangerous to be in that place. This is interesting. God, as I was studying this, God took me back to 1 Corinthians. Chapter 13 is known as the love chapter. In verse 2, Paul says this, and I've already caught this before until I was studying this, these verses. Here's what he says. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all mysteries and have all knowledge but do not have love, I am nothing. Hmm. Whoa. Paul's saying, listen, I can be a know-it-all, but if I don't have the love of Jesus operating in my life, it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter how many degrees I get, how much knowledge I have, how much revelations that God gives to me. If I don't have this love, I am nothing. Paul even said in Philippians chapter number three, he says, I count all things to be in loss, in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. We've talked about it in this introduction of this series. You've got this little video, and in, we're talking about how that, you know, the key to knowing uh, truths is to really know the truth, which is Christ. That's the most important part. It's, it's cool to know all these truths. It's, it's awesome to walk through this series and acquire all these truths and say, oh, I know more. I know. The key is this, is that you need to know the truth is Christ Jesus. Amen? So that leads us to this point, is this thorn in Paul's life. Because here, he's talking about this pride, but then he says, hey, there was a thorn that was given to me. Watch this. Because of the surpassing, verse 7, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations for this reason, to keep me from what? Exalting myself. To keep me from getting puffed up. There was given me a thorn in the flesh. Just stop right there. Now, I mentioned a moment ago that I had these sisters, and we used to, like, really tease each other. Um, and, and many of you know that uh, I grew up basically in the South. In the first half of my childhood, I grew up in South Florida near Miami. And then the second half of my childhood, I grew up in Southeast Tennessee near Chattanooga. So when I moved from Florida, which is like really like living up north in like, you know, like New England <laughs> in a way, um, when, I came to, when I went to Tennessee, they said stuff I didn't understand. 
I mean, they had these sayings and these, these axioms, you know, these, these little things like that. You, you ever been around Southerners and they say stuff, you're like, what in the world are they talking about, right? Like one of them was like, madder than a wet hen. I still don't understand that one, right? You ever heard that one, madder than a wet hen? I was like, does it matter if it's wet or if it's dry? I mean, who knows, right? Um, you guys have probably heard this one, running around like a chicken with your head cut off, right? It's a southern thing. Like, you don't understand that. Because, and I never understood it, too. I, I actually had this uh, lady in our church uh, when I was growing up. We had this thing called Adopt-A-Grandparent. It was like 11 fifth graders, and there was 11 widows, okay? And so we adopted a grandparent. And so I had this grandparent. Her name was Edna, and she had a farm. And I stayed, like, you know, every few months I'd stay at her house and man it was weird stuff would happen. I was one time I went into the bathroom and I heard these noise and I saw this light coming from behind the the uh, the the the, um, the shower area, you know, the tub and I kind of peeked back the thing and man she had like she was growing chickens in there. I mean, she had she had like little chicks and her peeping and all this. And then one time I'm she tells me to go down to the barn and I'm in the barn and I'm playing down there and and I come out and and she had just chopped a chicken's head off, man. You know, and it's running around, you know, like a chicken with his head cut off, right? I'm like, okay, that was kind of odd. We're going to eat that tonight? All right. But so there's some funny things, you know, chicken with his head cut off. There's, uh, how about this one? Getting too big for your, your britches, okay? Your pants. And what does that mean? It means that you're getting puffed up. See, Paul was given the thorn to keep him from getting too big for his britches. Because had he got so big for his britches or so prideful and arrogant in his ministry, he would then become unusable or fully unusable by God. So let me ask you a question as you think through that, as we kind of walk through the rest of this text, is do you have a thorn in your life that God is trying to keep you from getting too big for your britches? God is using to keep you humble. Now, there's a lot of people that claim that Paul's thorn was a physical affliction. Some say, well, he had bad eyesight. Some said he had gout. Some said he had epilepsy. Uh, some said he had migraines and arthritis or some sort of digestive issues. Or some say that, you know, he had a speech impediment because back to chapter 10, you know, they're talking about, oh, he's not a good talker and all this. There's all these assumptions by Bible scholars that they think that is some sort of a physical affliction. But the text, verse 7 is absolutely clear, black and white, what it was. Watch this. There was given me a thorn in the flesh, a what? A messenger of Satan to do what? To torment me. Now, here's what's understood. I'm going to try to do some teaching for just a few minutes, and this will kind of come together. But whenever you're reading the Bible and you're trying to interpret Scripture, it's very important that you try to interpret text within the context. If you try to take a text out of the context, you can out, really, you can actually create heresy. But you interpret text within the context. So, for instance, like Philippians chapter 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, the context of chapter 4 in those verses is he's talking about contentment. Because he says, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. I've learned to be poor and rich. I've learned to be hungry uh, and, and full. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the, the, the interpretation of verse 13 within the context is talking about contentment. Right here, as we understand this context, chapters 10 through 12 is this subject of criticism and conflict. Paul is dealing with spiritual antagonism. 
He talks about in chapter 10 about spiritual warfare that's going on. You know, the weapons of our, of our, uh, 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 the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty to pull down strongholds. He's talking about antagonism and conflict. So he's speaking about this messenger of Satan, the same messenger that he refers to in chapter 10. In chapter 11, he says that Satan even disguises himself as an angel of light. Paul has got a messenger of Satan in his life that's afflicting him. Now, let's go a little bit deeper. Uh, there's a thing called the Latin Vulgate. Latin Vulgate is what the, the Catholics, uh, they use that particular uh, language to translate it for their, for their Bible. And so the Latin Vulgate, when you read this part of verse 7 in the Latin, here's how it renders in the English. The messenger was used by Satan to stimulate the carnal man inside of Paul to get him into a fist fight. Yeah. The messenger was used by Satan to stimulate the carnal man, the flesh part of Paul, to get him into a fist fight. Now, if you think about that for just a moment, who was Paul before Jesus? He was a murderer, right? He went arrest, he beat up people. I mean, he was, he was, a, he was a mean dude, right? He calls himself the chief of sinners. He's I persecuted the church, he says in one of his letters. And so Paul has got this old flesh, this old man who used to be, this, he's a fighter. And so Satan wants to get a rise out of Paul. He wants Paul to operate out of his flesh and not in the spirit. He's trying to tempt Paul in his old nature to react in such a way that would ruin his testimony and ruin his ministry and to take matters into his own hands. You guys follow me so far? If Paul's life, if his self-life was roused in such a way, his flesh would then be in rebellion to God's will. And it's true of each of us. Every one of us, I call it, we all have a button, right? Satan knows which button to push, it seems like, right? He knows the, bu the button to push. And so he wants to bring out the worst in the old you. Amen. He does. That's what he wants. Let me ask you a question. What is Satan trying to use in your life to get you to react by your old nature and to get you to rebel against God and his will for your life? Let's break down some more Greek words, okay? Uh, and this is, this is going to be interesting. So I'm not talking about three words. The word given, the word flesh, and the, and the word uh, thorn, okay? So what about this word given? It says that Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. Now, we got two different ideas here. We can either say, well, uh, Satan sent this messenger, or God allowed the messenger to be sent. I think the answer is both. In fact, here's the deal. The word that is used here, this Greek verb for the word given, implies, uh, they call it the passive voice, okay? And I don't want to get into this, this whole thing, but, but basically it, what that means is it implies that it was divinely assigned, in other words, God authored it. He allowed it. Do you know that the Bible says that God is the author and the finisher of your faith? Hmm. So God allows this. So in other words, God's sovereign hand says, okay, I'm going to allow this to happen for a purpose. Do you know that we see a similar story in Job? That Satan had to get permission to bother Job, didn't he? But God sovereignly allowed it to happen for a purpose. So here's the thing. God has the power to say yes. God has his power to say no. 
The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God can give, God can take away. And here's the thing. When Satan intends something for evil, God can use it for good. Amen. What is this thorn? What is this flesh? Well, let's kind of break it down some more. This will begin to start making some sense for you. Uh, it, it is cool truth, but let's, let's look at this. I've got two slides. One is the, is the slide on flesh, and one is the slide on thorn. But in the Bible, in the New Testament, there's all these different words for flesh. Now, most of them are referring to something physical. There's only one word that refers to something spiritual. So we got these words uh, like flesh, like uh, the word soma, which means body. You heard of the word insomnia, all right? Okay. But he's talking about something bodily there. Uh, the word toma is something to do with corpse, but then he uses this other word, uh, this other word for flesh is called sarks. It's, it's referring to the fallen human nature. Let me ask you a question. What word do you think Paul was using right here in verse 7? The last one. Now let's talk about thorn for just a moment. See, the word thorn, is, there's two words in the New Testament for the word thorn. One of them is very identifiable. What was put on Jesus' head? A crown of thorns, okay? It's talking about a, some, this, this, this physical thing. But there's this other thing called a thorn, and it's, and it's known as a stake, or it's also known, it's, it's, it's the nickname for a, a cross to crucify something on. What word do you think that Paul used? The last one. So he says, okay, there was given me a thorn. There was given me a cross, a stake for my flesh. Hmm. See, Paul had this pride issue going on, right? Because of the abundance of revelations. And to keep him from exalting himself, this messenger of Satan shows up to keep him humble so that he could come to a place where he could carry his Christ's cross, die to self, so that he could experience the fullness of God's grace and blessings in his life. Satan uses this messenger to tempt Paul to sin, but God uses this messenger for Paul to bear his cross, to die to the old Paul, to surrender to God, and submit to his will. You track it with me. Oh. Some followers I've met, and I've been the same, struggle with hardship, struggling with obstacles and difficulties and things happening in our life. And, and, and I've, I've been guilty of this where because of that, I, I, I'm, I'm not, instead of me leaning on God to enable me and help me through it, I want to get out of it. I want to escape. I want to run away. I, I want God to remove it. But watch what Paul says. Verse 9. Concerning this, I implored the Lord how many times? Three times he's praying to God that it might leave me. Please, God, take it away. And he has said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. You guys ever counseled God? Like you had got, you advised God. Anybody in here ever you advised God? You you gave him some suggestions. You got God. This would be a good idea if you do it this way, right? You 
Come on, all right. There's two of us in here being honest. All right. Now, we all have done it, right? We've all said, God, this would be good, and you should do it this way. And then, but have we ever, like, had a, a thorn in our side, so to speak, metaphorically? We've had a thorn in our life, and we want to counsel God about it. And we talk to God, and, and we say, God, Lord, I cannot serve you with this problem in my life. You ever thought about saying, well, man, God, if you, if you would just remove this, I could do your will. God, I could be strong if you just removed my weakness. You know, we're fully usable by God when we rest in his will, when we die to self, we take up that cross, when we say, okay, here's my weakness, but he's made strong and he gives me strength in my weakness. I think we can be fully even more usable by God when we quit praying for our own comfort, honestly, and we start being content in what? is in our life at the moment that he's allowing to be in our life at the moment. We come to a place where we're fully dependent, not on our ability, but on his ability in us. Amen. He goes on in verse number 10. He says, therefore, I am well, what? Content. With what? With weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, and with difficulties. For whose sake? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. <laughs> Most of us probably, I don't know, maybe we don't have a satanic person in our life like Paul did where there's this person who's afflicting us. Maybe we do. Maybe some of us in the room are like, man, yeah, there's one person in my, that I know in my life that's just, man, giving me just, man, a difficult time. Maybe... You don't. Maybe you've got other oppositions. Maybe you've got something else going on in your life, some other obstacles, and you're having to deal with that. And, and maybe your argument is, man, if I just had good health, then, then, then I can experience grace or faith. If I had a nicer coworkers, or if I had a better spouse, or if my kids were more godly. Don't you guys wish? You say, man, I wish my kids were just more godly, right? And maybe you say, I wish that was going on. I had a better job. Then if I had all that stuff going for me, then I could actually have faith. Or I could have grace. No. It's in all these things that we find grace and strength and love and faith. Jeff mentioned a little while ago. He quoted Romans 8. And I, was, I almost put it into my sermon notes, but I feel led in spirit to say this. He referred to that, who shall separate us from the love of God? Shall all the, and he gives this list of all these things separate us. He goes, no. And then he says this. He says, No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Not out of them, in them. So in the middle of the persecution, in the middle of the difficulty, in the middle of having maybe a thorn in the flesh, in our side, in our life, in that, we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who loves us. We experience the fullness of God's love. We experience the fullness of God's grace. We learn to actually walk by faith. Here's this response by God. He says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. And I was thinking about this, you know, Paul didn't want the thorn, did he? None of us want thorns, right? But you know what? Paul needed the thorn. He needed the thorn to keep him humble and to keep him dependent on God. God wanted to display his glory through Paul's life. He wanted to display uh, his grace through Paul's life. And he just needed Paul to carry his cross die to self, be surrendered to him, and allow God to do an awesome thing through 
his life. Maybe you have a weakness like Paul. He mentions, he, he, he has that list in verse 10. I mean, we got a health issue. Maybe it's a financial hardship. I don't know. Maybe it's a difficult person in our life. It's a distraction. There's somebody in our life maybe tearing us down. We're persecuted as a Christian possibly. These things could be thorn in our sides. And you say, man, why won't God take it away? Well, he might. He may take it away next week. You may have to carry it for, you may have to have this thorn for a very, very long time. But the whole purpose is, is that so God can say, you know what? I need for you to be weak so that I can be strong in your life. I need you to die to who you are so you can be alive to who I am. And allow me to work in your life in such a way that it's not your power, it's my power. That you can experience the fullness of my grace and that you could actually learn to actually understand what it means to really walk by so what's your solution when you have a thorn? Is it to escape? Is it to say, God, just, I need to remove this? Do you get prideful and puffed up and say, oh, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't deserve this in my life? Do you get like that? Or do you rely on God's grace in the midst of your weakness? Do you die to self? Do you carry your cross? There's a truth that, that I want to leave you with here as we come to a close, but it's... Uh, Daily bearing our cross and being content with our weakness allows us to experience God's victorious strength. Amen. Man, I hope we can walk away with that today. So as we come to a close, let me ask you something. You have an obstacle. There's something in your life. There's a thorn. Maybe you've been praying for it for a long time. And you've been asking God to remove it. But there's not been any change. Let me ask you this. Have you ever considered, have you ever considered that maybe your thorn is a test? Maybe Satan uh, is tempting you to take matters into your own hands. Maybe Satan's tempting you to pridefully demand your own rights and demand your, your reputation or whatever it is. But God is allowing that thorn in your life to teach you, to teach you about your weakness, to teach you about pride, to teach you about his grace, to expose the weaknesses in your life that you might experience the fullness of his strength and the fullness of his grace. I think we learn from this story that we say, let's be like Paul. I am content, whatever that is, because power is perfect in the weakness, and I get to experience the grace of God in my life.